I want to invite up Sharon Adams. Sharon is part of what we call our GO team. GO stands for Global Outreach. And uh, we just have some exciting stories we want to kind of rope you into this morning. Morning, everybody. So I grew up in a home where we talked about world missions all the time. We had people coming and going, coming for lunch and dinner, and we recognized that not everybody had that opportunity growing up. So today, it's really exciting. We want to inspire and encourage all of you to be and do all that God has commanded us to do. If you don't believe in Jesus, consider believing today because you will never regret it. Those who believe in Jesus today will be reminded of all he can and do in us and through us when we obey him. Matthew 28 says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I will be with you always to the end of the age. Then in Acts, it's really cool because he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You don't have to go to the ends of the earth or to your neighbor or to you know the next city over by yourself. He's given us the Holy Spirit, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So today we're going to start by introducing you to all the different people we have around the world that we can be praying for and that God is working through. So we're going to start in Africa with the Hintons. And yes, we are there with them because we were able to go to Kenya at Christmas time and spend time with them. Kirk is teaching at a Christian school in Nairobi, and they have had numerous opportunities to reach outside of the walls of that school to the slums, to various boys' homes where they're rescuing boys off the streets, and to other Christians who just, sometimes you kind of get a little bit like, woe is me sometimes when you're in a little Christian enclave in Nairobi. And they've been able to encourage other Christians even to reach outside the walls of that school that they're teaching at. The school also enables other missionaries to do their work because their kids can have schooling at that school. Many of the embassy people, the people there that are ambassadors and working at the embassy, also put their kids at that school, whether or not they're believers, because it's a really good education. So they're able to have input into those people's lives as well. They will be coming home this summer. We're not sure if they're coming home for a long time or a short time. But so we need to be praying as they leave. They went as four. They're coming back as five. They had a baby while they were in Africa. So lots of changes in their lives. And so if we can be praying for them as they kind of re-enter back into the United States. Also in Africa, we have the Burlsons, Amanda and Ryan, and their three little kids. And we have a short video from Amanda to kind of give you an update on them. NBC. I'm Amanda Burleson, and we were asked to just give a little update about our family. First, we just want to thank you guys so much for your incredible support and love for us over the last several years. It's been a little rough at times, and we just thank you for remembering us and writing us and asking us how we're doing. We really appreciate that. Right now, Ryan, my husband, is in Nairobi, Kenya, with I think around 40 other leaders from the continent of Africa. And they're all coming together to pray and plan and share and rejoice over disciple-making movements and how the Lord is moving and knitting them together, their hearts, their passions, and their dreams in Africa. Really, really exciting stuff. Ryan was able to bring three guys, two from Zimbabwe and one from Mozambique, who he's been working with and training and leading and discipling. Um, So super, super exciting stuff. 
Um, our family's in the process of moving to South Africa, hopefully. We're really hoping and praying that we'll get our visas and move by the end of the month um, to, for Ryan to be able to work with a South African disciple-making movement um, called Accelerate, and we're super excited about that and also hopeful for our daughter Mercy to get some more specialized speech help. So, yeah, it's a lot of, a lot of change, a lot of big things going on, but everything's made up of all the little moments in every day. We covet your prayers. The heat's pretty intense here. The sicknesses are pretty intense here. The relationships are pretty intense here. There's a lot of pretty wild things going on. I was rear-ended recently. Mercy got an infected tick bite recently. There's just been a lot of crazy things happening as well with us moving and changing. So we covet your prayers. Thank you, guys. Blessings. So again, a family like you and me lived here in the States and we're called to, to serve God in Africa. We need to be praying for them. They're waiting for their visas to move to South Africa. Their daughter, she mentioned just briefly, has a hearing issue. And so to get specialized care for her in, in South Africa. And then switching over to Thailand, northern Thailand, we have, I'm not sure we've introduced this couple to you, John and Rosemary Kane. They spent the majority of their adult lives living in northern Thailand, working among the Hmong people. They facilitated Bible studies for them. They trained the indigenous Christians to be leaders in their communities, were some of the first people to bring the Bible and God's word to this, this group of people in northern Thailand. In this last year, Rosemary needed to come home to care for her aging father, who then passed away. They were moved a little bit around the states, and they've settled on the east coast, um, where now they're going to be uh, based in the United States, but they will be going back three or four times a year to lead to have leadership training in northern Thailand. It's exciting because the ministry has passed from the U.S. missionaries to the um, the indigenous people to be leading and training their own people. But they don't have a lot of um, resources like we do here in the States, and so they're able to go and lead trainings. They're going to do a pastor and um, and their wives' marriage seminar uh, later, I think sometime in May or June of this year. And so that's really exciting for them. Um, they still have one son at home. He's in high school, and um, and so to be praying for schooling for him and, and then working with him as well as as they travel back and forth. So safe travels for them, that the marriage conference and other conferences would go well, that they'd be well-received. Re- well um, one thing I was reading about them was, you know, doing a marriage conference here among your own people is one thing. Doing a marriage conference in another culture, even though they live there for years and years and years, it's still a different idea than um, than doing it in your own culture, so that they would be sensitive and know the things they need to focus on more than, than other things. Um, and then their daughter, it's really exciting, Sarah, is a young adult, and she has also chosen to stay and work in Thailand. You know, she speaks the language fluently, having grown up there, and she's working with an organization called Remember New. We've heard a lot about sex trafficking and rescuing girls out of this terrible, um, terrible sex trade, and we have, Remembering New is trying to rescue them before they get into that terrible situation. They go around to various families and and recognize um, danger signals from these groups. Uh, perhaps the parents have left and gone to the city, and the child's living with the grandparents, and they're very very poor. And that is a you know a signal that says they could sell this daughter to get money to have food. I mean, you have no food. It sounds horrible, but this is what happens all the time. So they go around and they gather up these girls. They ask the families, "Can we take them into a a, a home situation?" So there's a girls' home. And Sarah is currently a, a home mom, or like a room mom kind of idea, with these girls. There's between 10 and 16 girls in a home, ranging from age 5 to 16. 
They provide them a safe environment where they're not scared about being sold into this terrible trade. And they um, they go to school, and they've given just a new hope for life. They, they do vocational training for the older girls. The, Sarah obviously speaks English fluently as well, so she does a lot of English training with them. So these girls can learn English. They can have a good education. They will have the opportunity to to have a better life. And then, obviously, well, maybe it's not obvious, but they're teaching about Jesus, and they're becoming believers, and that gives them a hope for their future as well. Moving on to uh, this organization that my husband and I are very heavily involved with. It's called CRM Leaders. And I don't know about you guys, but lately you kind of feel hopeless when you think about the Middle East and all the refugees and what's happening, and they're going into Europe, and they're not wanted here and there. And CRM is like doing unbelievable work with the refugees from Syria, uh, the ones that are in Lebanon and in other places around the Middle East. It, uh, The video we're going to see in just a second gives you this hope of like, whoa, this is awesome that this work is happening. People are becoming followers of Jesus. And then the amazing thing is some of those people, as they leave these refugee camps and get visas to other parts of the world, are then taking Jesus with them to these other parts of Europe and being able to share the gospel. We have a short video of a young gal who left Syria. Now, I don't know about you, but I feel like when I think of these refugees, I think of poor people who don't have food or what have you, and they fled their country. But these people that are fleeing Syria are like you and me. They lived in, quote, suburbia. They had good jobs. Their kids were in school. They owned a car. And they fled, and as they're fleeing, it'd be like driving down 101, and there's fighting on both sides of the road. And I didn't have this rec- this understanding in- until just recently. And so when we think of these people, we think they just lost everything, absolutely everything. And, um, and yet God has met them in these places where they have fled to. So let's watch this video. In it was a morning full of war. In the aftermath of an ISIL attack, targeted my name is Myram Girbo. I'm from Syria, an area called Kamishli. I grew up in a strict religious family where I learned to worship idols. I believe these idols were petitioning and interceding on my behalf, so there was no need for a close relationship with Jesus. Then I met my husband and got married. We had two children, and I continued studying. I went to a school in Syria where I studied finance. During my third year, fighting erupted in the university and ISIS took over. Life changed drastically and what was once a serene area was now dangerous. Me and my family were kidnapped and robbed at gunpoint. We never expected the war would come to our town. But then four explosions happened very close to us and our building was damaged. Everything that could break was broken. Glass was everywhere. We were in a state of shock. My daughter wouldn't even speak, and we knew we had to leave. We decided to leave Syria. There was no direct way out of the country except through Lebanon. We had no plans to settle in Lebanon, but simply go there and continue on elsewhere. From where we were, it should have taken us two hours. It took between 10 and 12 hours to the Lebanese borders. We had to avoid certain regions and go through safer ones. I was not expecting to see what I saw. Artillery, weapons, fighting. When we got to Damascus, I was shocked to see the city I had known so well. Churches, malls, entire neighborhoods completely reduced to rubble. 
At one point, we were driving through fighting with rebels on one side and soldiers on the other and watching bombs falling from the sky. After arriving in Lebanon, I thought my life was over. It was like war happened and everything went black. I literally lost all hope. I was thinking, after all we've done, all the work we put into setting up our life, and this is where we are? What's the point? We went through some hard times, living ten in a room, no mattresses. And at one point, I didn't have milk to feed my two-and-a-half-year-old daughter. After some time, we moved to a new place, and my neighbor, who was a believer, invited me to her house for a Bible study. And this is where I met Bassam. The scripture we studied that night was Psalm 23. From those words, from that psalm, I started loving church. In March of 2013, I accepted Jesus as my personal Savior. Through DBS, I learned about repenting, believing, and getting baptized as a symbol of new life and faith. So my baptism was an obedience statement from one of my DBS studies. Through this process, I learned more and more how to walk in obedience and live out my faith. My husband also got baptized. After I believed and came to Christ, I asked if I could lead one of the groups. Brother Bassam and everyone else really encouraged me, and I started leading my own groups. As time passed, all the Syrians I knew began to move on, out of Lebanon. My husband's family, my family. Then the day came when my mom and dad were traveling after securing visas, and I was weeping as I was saying goodbye. I found myself asking the Lord why he didn't open this door for me. Everyone was gone. The only of our family remaining was my husband, my kids, and myself. I had no one else in Lebanon except the church, and this was the only thing I had. I started asking myself, does God want me to stay here? Did he connect me to this church in this time and place so I could grow and focus on him? In that moment, I felt the hand of God on my shoulder. I heard him say to me, don't be afraid, I'm still with you. And it's like he wiped my tears. He took all my sadness away and I felt my eyes were dry completely. I really felt deep peace in my heart and my faith grew a lot stronger in that moment. He was here, hearing my cry out to him, and he's calling me to the ministry he prepared for me long ago, which is my ministry now. Since then, I've been developed through asking the Lord to fill me daily, attending trainings with NEO, and Brother Bassam developing me. Our team set a goal of starting 100 DBS groups. Through the grace of God, we reached that goal. I am now training others to start their own DBS groups, as well as continuing to lead my own. I have a vision for the future. Seeing how DBS has been transforming in my life and others, even children, I teach my kids and watch my son lead his own group. In all this, you have people who are hearing personally from God and obeying His Word. I see this as the future of the church. If we want the church to survive and thrive, we need to encourage and lead people to build a personal relationship with Jesus. So our church, including you guys, is supporting this organization. And, uh, and it's just amazing what God's doing. You don't hear about that in the news. <laughs> you only hear about the bad stuff. So we're going to spend some time now praying. And if we can just, as you feel called to pray, pray for the Canes. As their travels to Thailand, pray for Sarah as she's living there, you know, keeping those girls safe.
praying for the, the refugees in Syria and other parts of the Middle East, the Hintons as they're packing up their life from the last three years and heading back home, and the Burlsons as their family's going to come back together soon and, and be moving to South Africa. So give us a few minutes to pray, and then I'll close us, all right? Your love just extends around the world. We thank you that my Jerusalem, my Judea, is someone else's ends of the earth, and that we can work together following you in obedience to you, God, as we, um, as we share your word, as we come to know you, and as we tell others about you. Lord, we thank you that um, we have the opportunity to just review and see and, um, and just uh, be able to be encouraged by these stories. In your name, amen. You know, it's powerful to see and think and kind of imagine all these different families. Again, Sharon, thank you for sharing and just um, giving a picture of, you know, um, people who lived here or grew up here have a context here, and now they've been assigned by God to do that elsewhere. And they're walking into cultural settings that are very different from the one that they grew up in. We talked a few weeks ago just about sort of the pluralistic society that we live in, and we're used to, you know, um, many truth claims, right, and religious truth claims. And um, one of the powerful things, and I, I just saw it in this woman who was Syrian now living in Lebanon, um, but just this idea that, you know, Jesus is unique among all other God claimers. And here's, here's, here's at least one way. Um, you know, where others would point to the way, Jesus said, I am the way. Others would say, here's the truth. Let me tell you the truth. What did Jesus say? I am the truth. And others would say, let me model the life or point you to life. And Jesus says, I am the life, unique amongst all world religions. And you study that and you can see that. And as we move into this time of communion, here's what's going to happen. This is a time for Christians to remember. Um, this is a time for us as Christians to take uh, the, the body and blood of Jesus, as it were. And as these elements come by, we're going to sing some songs that really just reflect on the truths that we're, that we're remembering. We've been in Romans, and we're going to continue in Romans starting next week with a, a sort of a different section, a different feel that Paul takes us in. Um, and what we're seeing in Romans is sort of a, a deep and thorough exposition of some of the truths that we celebrate around communion. Uh, and as I was thinking about communion this Sunday and, and anticipating celebrating it with my church family, I thought, wow, Lord, just Romans 1, 2, and 3 has reminded and broadened our understanding of what we're doing with communion. Good morning. I'm Chuck Adam, married to my wonderful wife, Sharon, who just shared about missionaries around the world. And I want to bring you a little closer to home. So we've had missionaries that have come from here like the Hintons and gone around the world. We've also had missionaries work right here locally. So we have missionaries that came from here that have gone around the world. Steve and I, Ada Irwin, were with New Tribes Mission. Christine Barber, as you know, went to China a couple years ago. And Josh and Caleb Barrow, they are working right now in San Francisco. Grace Children's Home and all the people, you guys, have been to Grace Children's Home as missionaries on short-term missions. These are all things that we are quite involved with, and you'll hear more about them in the coming months. I want to highlight one ministry right now called Hitland Ministries. And I had lunch with uh, the founder of Hitland Ministries on Friday morning with Les Albert, our very own Les, and um, an amazing time spent with Brad. Brad is a dentist. And after talking to him, it was really clear that 
dentistry is his side job because he does a lot on the weekends and through the week to bring the, the Word of God to many people. And his ministry can be broken down into nine words. Preach the gospel, raise up ministers, and break down walls. And by breaking down walls, I want to just kind of unpeel that a little bit for you and dig a little bit. This is really taking church to the people. He is in partnership with a group called Neighborhood Hope Dealers. And these are a group of rappers that bring to the communities, really hard communities, where gang members are involved in prisons and so forth, and they unashamedly preach the name of Jesus. They go to parades, and they will preach in their rap music, Jesus, all the way down the parade route. And they win awards for this stuff, even though they're not even entering an award uh, program in these parades. So I want to tell you one story about um, how Brad is partnering with the Hope Dealers. So um, recently... In one of the communities that the Hope Dealers are working with, and Brad, um, and he's the guy that brings the sound stage and the sound equipment that's stored back here on our back lot. That's one of the ways we're involved there. But in the communities where the Hope Dealers are, recently the, um, the police and politicians have come and found this guy and said, what are you guys doing? You have reduced crime rate in this community by 85%. 85% since this guy has been in the community. Wow. Well, let me tell you, um, I could go on and on for a long time, but I only got a couple minutes here. There's also national interest in this. Um, I won't go into detail there, but there's potential that uh, there's national interest in what the Hope Dealers and Brad at Hitland are doing on a national scale to reduce crime and violence in this country. Uh, let's see. Next slide. So I just, um, just to kind of recap a little bit about what Hitland does. Last year, they're very busy, 25 events in communities, parades, prisons, Christmas events, training sessions. Remember, he's a dentist full-time. He's, he's a guy just like us, but he is sold out for Jesus. He was recently asked by somebody who really is involved with his program, what do you need? And Brad took a couple days, and he came back with five prayer requests. One, that he would know the will of God, that he would be perfectly in the will of God, that he would be able to get a new truck or a newer truck to haul this heavy equipment. That he would get a hydraulic soundstage. Just real quick, when he goes into prisons, everything that goes in has to be accounted for and come back out. He's got a 17-page document to keep track of all that. This hydraulic soundstage, all kind of in one package, very simple. He could do a lot more. Another one, that his daughter would have a renewed love for the Lord. And uh, I added one to the five that he gave to me, and that is this recent, um, this recent national interest that the renewed hope for the Lord, I mean, the, um, that the influence on the nation to reduce violence and crime would be a reality in this country and that they would use Brad and the support that we give them. That's it. I, that's all I have for uh, this uh, Hitland Ministries. It's awesome. If you have a chance to talk to Les, myself, or even Brad himself, you will be amazed. Rich Henderson is going to come up and share about some more local ministries.
All right. Thanks, Chuck. So um, for those that don't, uh, don't know me, my name is uh, Rich Henderson, and I'm a member here at the Neighborhood Bible Church. been here since its beginning 10 years ago. Also the uh, director of a ministry called Love in the Name of Christ, or Love, Inc. And uh, the most succinct definition I've come up for a Love, Inc. is that Love, Inc. is the church organized to meet the needs of their community. Um, so that happened here 27 years ago when churches from different denominations decided they want to work together to help people in, in need in our community. And what we do is Loving connects uh, people with legitimate needs with Christians from local churches who are willing to help them. And we also train those Christians in how to help people in need in a distinctively Christian way. So one way I like to explain uh, Loving to people is that we're like a personal trainer for the church in the areas of uh, ministries of compassion. A, uh, a personal trainer doesn't do your workout for you. What he does is use his experience and expertise to help you do your workout better. And our conviction is that the best way to help people in need is to mobilize the church to help them. Since the church has the gospel, there's no other helping agency out there that has the ability to transform lives for the good like we do. Um, and since we work with the whole church in uh, South San Jose, our area, we can tap into the various skills that individual Christians have to put together a whole package to help people in a holistic way. So, for instance, let's say you're really good at carpentry, and you can build an excellent uh, wheelchair ramp, but you're like a deer in the headlights when it comes to sharing the gospel with people, okay? We can use your carpentry skills to open the door with a client that will lead to uh, another Christian who's skilled at sharing the gospel to come alongside and do that. So we can put together a whole package that way. The main way that people find out about us is by referrals from secular agencies, which is kind of cool, that secular agencies would say, you should call love in the name of Christ, right? Uh, also, since most of our clients are not connected to a local church, in a very real sense, when you become a Love, Inc. volunteer, you join the local missions force of Neighborhood Bible Church. Uh, one of the reasons that Dave intentionally put me last is that because uh, Love, Inc. offers an opportunity to be involved in local missions that's accessible to everybody in the congregation. You know, we realize not everybody's going to be able to pull up stakes and move to Kenya like the Hintons. But uh, pretty much everybody in our congregation can serve a Love, Inc. client in some way, whether it's uh, pulling weeds, mopping a floor, or maybe just being a friendly visitor. Uh, so why volunteer to help a loving client? As we've been going through um, this Kerman uh, series on Romans, one thing has been made crystal clear that we are hell-deserving sinners, but a loving God sent Jesus to save us, right? And many people that call our office don't know Jesus in a personal way. And yet, they've called an organization called Love in the Name of Christ, and they've asked if a Christian from a church near their home can come and help them. Folks, it's a wide-open door, right? It's a great opportunity for us to be an influence for Jesus in their lives and to share the gospel with them. Uh, the second reason to volunteer is for yourself. Uh, helping others is a spiritual discipline, like a prayer or a Bible study. It's a means of growing in holiness. Uh, think about it. Jesus was a servant. And if we want to become more like Jesus, we're going to have to learn to become servants too. And the only way that I know of to learn to be a servant is by serving, right? 
and Love, Inc. provides those opportunities. Love, Inc. can't survive without three things, prayer, money, and volunteers. If you're interested in receiving weekly prayer requests or donating to Love, Inc., come see me after the service. I want to talk about that third element, uh, volunteers. I mentioned before that Love, Inc. is like a personal trainer for the church in the areas of ministries of compassion. About a year and a half ago, I started uh, training with a personal trainer. In fact, Brad Walker is in my uh, group that I work out with. And uh, I've seen a noticeable improvement in my strength and my overall health as a result. I've also noticed one key thing that I have to do to get the benefit of having a personal trainer. You know what it is? Show up and do my workout. If I just send him checks and he crafts a personal exercise routine, but I never actually do my workout, I won't see any improvement, right? Uh, can I just see a show of hands of those of you that have helped the loving client before, all right? Wonderful. Can we give a hand for this local missions force of uh, Neighborhood Bible Church? Now, here's the thing. So Love, Inc. Uh, uh, is supported financially by Neighborhood Bible Church, which means that if you're part of this congregation, by default, you have a group membership in an organization that acts as a personal trainer to help you serve people in need, which means this, that if you didn't raise your hand, you're paying for something that you're not getting, right? In other words, you're wasting money. Now, I can help you fix that. Uh, in your bulletin, there's a little blurb down here about uh, uh, Love, Inc. volunteer training. So two weeks from today, on the 26th, in the community room right there next to the kitchen, in the second service, so uh, 1045 to noon, I'm going to have a one-session training and orientation for cl- uh, class for those who think they might be interested in serving uh, Love, Inc. clients. If you have any interest at all, come to that class. Uh, since there's Sunday school the second hour, uh, child care is taken care of. Your kids go to Sunday school while you're uh, in the class. I encourage you all to join me at the 9 o'clock uh, service that uh, morning and then at the 1045 service uh, being for the training. At that uh, time, I'll be covering both the big picture principles that we operate from uh, to help people in a distinctively Christian way and the specific instructions that you need to be uh, know to be a successful volunteer. I strongly encourage everybody who desires to help Love, Inc. clients to attend, even if you've served Love, Inc. clients for a decade. Uh, the reason for this is we went through a major reorganization last year, and I want to bring all our volunteers up to speed concerning how we now operate. Uh, at that class, too, I'll be handing out talent surveys, which is your means of letting us know what skills and abilities you have that you're willing to pass on to help people in need in this neighborhood. Uh, if you've turned in a talent survey before, we'd like to get a new one so that we're dealing with fresh information. Some of the talent surveys we have are really old. Uh, If you want to be a Love, Inc. volunteer, but you already know right now that you'll be unable to attend the class in two weeks, come talk to me after the service so we can work out an alternate date. So for the, the sake of lost people in this neighborhood and for the sake of your own spiritual maturity and vitality, I encourage you to volunteer to help uh, Love, Inc. clients. And I want to thank all of you for your uh, tremendous participation in this ministry. Back to Sharon here. So a lot to take in. It's pretty amazing what God's doing in the world. We have one last uh, highlight. And many of you know uh, the Barrow family. Um, And Kelly is their uh, youngest daughter. And she 
um, is works here with our youth. So she's not here today, so I get to introduce her and say all kinds of things she'd never say about herself. So um, she's an amazing young woman who wants to serve God. And God has had on her heart for quite a while... Um, the country of Haiti, and her brother had visited there as a, a short-term mission, and she has committed to go for at least a week this summer as a short-term missionary. Um, the organization is called Learning to Hope in Haiti, and uh, they're just working on ending the cycle of poverty and dependency um, of the people in Haiti and getting them to, to you know, understand the love of Jesus and be able to transform their lives. Um, she'll be going in June, June 14th to the 22nd. Um, she, we get the opportunity to help her uh, financially. Uh, it's around $2,000. Um, most of that's airfare, as you know. It's so expensive to fly around the world. Um, it includes training. I think there's a, we- a weekly or a biweekly training with this organization. They're up in the East Bay um, before she goes. And then there's also the opportunity for her um, to do an internship. This is a prayer request she has. Um, I encouraged her to try to go for more than a week. I mean, her stage in life right now, she, you know, doesn't have all these financial obligations, marriage and kids and yada yada. I said, oh my gosh, Kelly, this is the perfect time to go for a longer period. So she, there is that opportunity. She's praying if it's the right one for her um, and working with the organization on that. So she asked for prayer for that. The, she's had already two major things, um, very exciting prayer requests answered. Her boss is like, go for it, you know, go a week or a month or three months, we'll hold your job for you. And so that was just a huge concern that she had. Very exciting that that worked out. And then the second thing I was able to tell her, I don't know if you guys know, you know, um, Ron and Sue Barber, they're a family in our church. Her son, Christian, is in Awana. Um, and in Awana, they have to do a program of some kind to raise support for a missionary. Well, little Christian decided that he wants to support Kelly. And Kelly was just like, what? I'm so excited that already seeing God answer that prayer for the financial support. So we'll have more notes about Christian and his um, his financial drive for, for Kelly. There's something he has to do for his Awana program. And so we'll get that up in front of you in the next few weeks so that we can support him in supporting her and just see how God works in that. Um, so very exciting. When you see Kelly next week, be sure to um, ask her about her, her upcoming trip and, uh, and just be praying for her in the next few weeks. So we're going to spend a moment of time now praying for these, uh, these four groups, um, well, all the different missionaries around the world, as well as uh, Brad Walker with Hitler Ministries, um, Love, Inc., and that uh, we can all make it and remember to make it to Rich's uh, training program in a few weeks, and then praying for Kelly as well. So as you feel led, go ahead and pray, and then I'll close this up in a few minutes. Uh, we say this often around here, but if you've ever given $1 to Neighborhood Bible Church, you are participating in the Syrian refugee crisis. You are participating in the sex trade problem, atrocity in Thailand. You are changing lives of people in Santa Clara County juvenile hall system and the neighbors around here who don't have family or church family to take care of them. It's powerful that we get to participate in that. And God, we just go out with um, your praise, adoration for you on our lips and on our minds. God, thank you for this morning. And God, we, we hold up the people in the neighborhoods um, of all these friends that we talked about. God, thank you for letting us be in relationship with these people. And God, be a special encouragement uh, to them this morning. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. amen.